All right, take your Bible, turn to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter. If you need a form, we have, uh, if you want an outline, you can see that. Pastor Yomas has those. Raise your hand, I'll get one to you. All right, a little smaller crowd today on the long weekend. So that means, unfortunately for you, the smaller the crowd, the longer I preach. Just the way it works. So uh, make yourself comfortable. Fasten your seatbelt, get a pillow out, whatever works for you, it doesn't matter. No, I'll, I'll give you a message today. Hopefully it'll be a help and encouragement to you. Um, lazy boy chairs. I'll put that in the budget for next year. Lazy boy chairs. <laughs> okay. Uh, all kids today, all kids today can have a frosty. Whether you take notes or not, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If you want to take notes, that's great. But see Miss Jackie afterwards, and we'll get you a, a coupon for a Frosty, all right? So we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you listen, and uh, we'll give you something from the Bible, hopefully. So over the next few weeks, we have some uh, exciting things planned for you. Next week, we have our church picnic. We're excited about the church picnic. Hope you are. So no afternoon session. The following week, we have communion, which is good. We need to do that as a church. We're looking forward to... Uh, worshiping together that way, and so we're looking forward to that on the 18th. And then the following two Sunday afternoons, we're going to have a guest preacher with us on those two Sunday afternoons. We're going to have our very own uh, Glenn Smith going to preach for us, and so Glenn is a member of our, he just found out just now, he, he didn't he didn't know until now, and uh, he's surprised, no, he knew that, and so he's going to preach uh, two Sunday afternoons in a row, and so we're glad to have uh, young men who are called to preach and have that uh, desire, and looking forward to having him uh, take the pulpit and give us something from God's Word, those two. Uh, so that's, that's four weeks of uh, planning, so you know we have some different things planned over the next little bit. And by the time you know it, it won't be too long. Homecoming, our anniversary homecoming time will be here, and uh, looking forward to that as well. So good things on the horizon. School is starting and getting back to some normal. So we're going to be in First Peter chapter 1 to begin here today. Um, we're going to finish our journey through Peter today, through First Peter. We've kind of skimmed our way through characteristics that will help us live as strangers or to live right in a world gone wrong. So let me quickly review a few of these, uh, all these from the beginning. So I have this list here for you to remind you. Uh, showing endurance in a world gone wrong. We talked about how we handled trials, and these people were experiencing trials that you would never imagine. Uh, there is not the trials that they are facing, and so... Peter writes to them to endure trials, endure, show endurance in a world gone wrong, staying sober. We talked about uh, gird up the loins of your mind, having a warlike or work-like mentality. We talked about understanding your identity, that everything we do flows from who we are, but we are that we should. And so what we should do flows from who we are. And, and Peter reminded them of that throughout the book of 1 Peter. Uh, being submissive. This is a great, big section. A huge chunk of the, of the, of the book is about submission. Not really the topic we like to talk about, but Peter didn't mind talking about it. Over and over, different areas he applied it. Being submissive in a world gone wrong. And then maintaining separation, how that we are to be different than the world. And talked about that separation. And then last week, last time I preached, uh, showing grace. And being a grace distributor. God's grace flowing through us to other people and how that looks using our gifts as, uh, as a child of God. Now today we're going to look at... Uh, one final characteristics we kind of left to the end for on purpose. It's mentioned a few times in First Peter. I think it's especially true and helpful as we look at living right in a world gone wrong, living as a stranger or a pilgrim, very powerful. We're talking about holding hope in a world gone wrong. Hope. Hope is very powerful. In fact, some say that hope is the difference between victory and defeat. The fact that you still have hope carries you on, makes you push your way through 
from victory, from defeat onto victory. Some say that hope is the difference between being a victim and a survivor. Someone who falls by the wayside or someone who holds on. And we've heard stories of people who have been uh, trapped or have been isolated for a long time. And as long as they had hope, they continued to hope and for days and days maybe by themselves, but they held on to hope that someone would find them and someone would help them and that hope would carry them through. So hope is a very powerful thing and we understand that. Let's read some verses here from 1 Peter. We'll begin in chapter 1 and begin at verse number 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto, look at this, a lively hope, a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We'll dig in these verses. Let's pray. We'll dig into these verses here and look at hope in a world gone wrong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help me today to explain the Bible clearly and plainly and for everyone here in the auditorium that we would understand the application to our own life. May the Holy Spirit convict us, challenge us, and show us the pathway forward that would be pleasing to you. Thank you so much for meeting us today and allow us to be together. In your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, holding hope in a world gone wrong. First thing I want you to understand is that hope, what is hope? Let's, let's define this as we kind of go through this. Hope is a confident expectation. I found this definition or this little phrase on the internet. Hope is common, commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is, is the strength of the person's desire. So in our society, when we talk about hope, I, I, I'm hoping for something. I'm wishing for something. I want something to come true. And all the strength of our idea of hope comes from within us. How hard can I hope or how much can I hope? How strong is my desire? Well, the biblical definition of hope is different. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and his strength is in his faithfulness. In our world, hope is in our strength. In the Bible, hope is in his faithfulness. And so all we got to do is latch onto the faithful promises of God and our hope will carry us through. And so hope is a very powerful thing for the Christian holding hope. So I'm talk today about a hope that sustains. There's a hope that sustains through the difficult times of life, their hope will get us through. Let me give you three, three areas in these, in these verses that kind of pop out off you as you read through these verses. First of all, we have hope in a resurrection, don't we? We have hope in a resurrection. This world's not my home, I'm just passing through. And we have hope in a resurrection. The Bible says there in verse number three that in his, uh, at the very beginning, he's begotten, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is in the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. Think of the disciples. Think of how the resurrected Jesus Christ transformed their life. Think of Peter as he's fishing after the crucifixion of Christ and Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. What a difference between those two men, only because he saw the resurrected Christ. And Jesus' resurrection makes a difference. There's hope, and it gave hope to the disciples, and it carried them through all kinds of trials. And we have a resurrected Savior, and there is a resurrection. And it ought to change us, knowing that there's a resurrection changes the decision you make on Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning. 
It's a hope of a resurrection, a lively hope. The Bible. It's a it's a living hope. I think that was near our Easter program. I think not too long ago. A living hope, and that's what it is. It's a hope of life in a, a living Savior, and we have this resurrection. That is our hope that sustains. Look at the next verse. To an inheritance, verse four, incorruptible, undefiled, and faith not away, reserved in heaven for you. We not only have a resurrection, we have a, we have a reservation. A reservation. The, the Bible uses the word reserved. Reserved. That means to be guarded, to be kept, to be kept on reserve, and to be guarded so no one can get to it. And then look at verse number five, the first part, who are kept by the power of God through faith. And so our inheritance, which is incorruptible, undefiled, and doesn't fade away, is reserved, is kept, is guarded. The idea is almost having like a guard, setting a sentinel, setting a guard in front of it. And so our inheritance is guarded in heaven. But the next verse says this, we're kept. And there's almost a play on words here in the Bible. Our inheritance is being kept or guarded for us. But then verse number five says that we are being kept or guarded for our inheritance. So it's a play on words. Our inheritance is kept for us, and we're kept for our inheritance. So God has his hand. He's guarding us. He's a sentinel on us, even on this earth, in a, in a strange world where you're the minority, in a strange world where you don't fit in. When you're a stranger and a pilgrim in this world, God is guarding you. He's kept you for your inheritance, and he's keeping your inheritance you. And so the Bible puts these two together. We have a hope that sustains because we have a resurrection and we have a reservation. I think a res- I mean, think of reservations that you make for uh, a hotel or a reservation that you make for, uh, you, you, you leave, if you had a reservation in Florida, you leave here planning on getting there and you arrive maybe late, you're expecting your room to be ready. There's an expectation. There's a confident expectation. Have you ever showed up somewhere where your reservation wasn't where you thought it was, that's not going to happen in heaven, right? So your, your reservation is sure, and we have a confident expectation. It's in the promise of God that there is a reservation, an uh, a inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, reserved in heaven for us. And then lastly, in the last part of verse 5, it says this, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. There's a revelation there's a resurrection, there's a reservation, there's a revelation. The word revelation there means to take the cover off something, to, to open it up, to let people look inside, to see what's really there. And, and we have no idea. I, I, I believe, believe if we understood what heaven was like, God's given us a few glimpses there, but we have no idea. It's hard to look forward to something you've never experienced before, right? I look forward to when, when our kids are small, we traveled to Florida quite a bit, and we would look forward to going to Florida because we knew what it was like. We understood. When we get there, we get to go to this restaurant. When we get there, we get to go do this. When we get there, we get to relax. When we get there, we can go to the pool. We understand exactly what it's like. What's heaven going to be like? Well, it's going to be a little bit like church, but only all the time. Uh, there's going to be no pain. We understand all those things, but we've never experienced that. But God says at that time, there'll be a time where he just pulls the cover off. And the Bible says this, we are to know God now on this earth, but we don't know what he's really like until we meet him face to face. And then we'll know him even as he knows us. The cover will be pulled off. The Bible, God didn't allow men to look on his face, but in that day, 
the cover will be pulled off. And there'll be a great revelation. This is supposed to give us hope. This hope is meant to encourage us and sustain us through the trials of life. Look at what this flows into. Verse number five, if you have your Bibles open, I don't have it in your outline, but verse number six says this, based upon this hope, wherein ye greatly rejoice. You're greatly rejoicing in your hope. You're, you ought to be excited about your hope. Though now for a season you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. There's a season of heaviness here. There's a season of trials here. But this hope gives you great rejoicing. And so you greatly rejoice in this hope. So your hope is greater than your trial. I'm not sure what your trial is, but your hope ought to be greater than your trial. It pulls you through. And as you have hope in the promise of God, in his resurrection, in his reservation, in his revelation, we have hope to get through. And so we have this hope that is a sustaining hope for us. But take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. That's a verse that we use often, often quote. Verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We often use that verse to talk about, like, be ready to defend your faith. Know what you believe and be ready to give an answer uh, of that faith. It's not like talking, I mean, that's true. But it's talking about giving an answer of your hope. What are you hoping for? What, 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 what is in your heart that, that brings you that light in a dark time? So we often think about uh, our holiness being what sets us apart. What makes you different in the world? Well, I don't do this, I don't do that, I do, and I go to church, and I, and I do this, and I do this, and here's my holiness. And that's good. We've talked about that. In fact, 1 Peter 1.15 says this, But as he which called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. It's true. But this verse isn't talking about that. This verse is not highlighting that it's your holiness that sets you apart. People aren't, come up, aren't going to come to you and say, hey, why are you so holy? <laughs> Maybe it's happened to you, like, I can't believe you're I want to be holy just like you. I would love to have that. Whole, I see a holiness in you that I don't see in myself, and I could just be holy like that. Tell me about how you have holiness, and I, that's not how it works. But it's good to be holy. It does set us apart. It does show Jesus Christ. But that's not what they're asking here in this verse anyway. Uh, our good works. That men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, that, that guy's just a good guy. She's just a good person. She's helping people and people see your good works. And because of that, they should glorify your Father which is in heaven. This verse isn't talking about good works or holiness. This verse is talking about your hope. People see, people may see your holiness, but do they see your hope? Are you characterized by this sustaining hope. Is there, are you different in your workplace because as the world falls apart, you have a hope? Are you different in your workplace and in your family because when trials come, there seems to be a hope that pulls you through? Is there a light inside your eyes and inside your soul, inside your heart that they don't have? That's the idea here. And they come and ask you, how can you do that? How can you get through that? How can they say that about you and you're okay? How can that affect you at work and you don't seem to, it doesn't seem to bother you? How come you have in you this hope that I don't have? See, they're looking and they're seeing a difference in you in your hope. Do they see your confident expectation in the midst of difficult circumstances? This is what Peter's talking. Remember, these, these are people that have moved 
out of their neighborhood, out of their country to a new place. So they're the new, pe- they're the new kids on the block. They're the new people there. And they pop into a neighborhood and they kind of adjust and try to figure out the culture. And it's not like just like we're moving in a few, in a few weeks or a few months or maybe a few years. We'll see how, the res- how everything goes. But we're moving into St. Thomas, another location. So we'll have new neighbors. You know, it takes a while to get adjusted to what's going on there. But imagine this, moving not to a new neighborhood in St. Thomas, but to a new province or a new country, or halfway across the world, and you're into a new culture now. They've moved from Jerusalem to Asia Minor, Turkey for us. And so in this new area, people are, when you're the new people on the block, people are checking you out. They're like, what are they driving? What are they doing? What's going on? They're, 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 you're, they're, we, do it, we do it to other people. We check everything out. Like we, just, we do. And so people are checking these people out, and they're seeing and Peter says, what they should see in your life, more than what you drive, and more than, you know, how holy you are, do they see a hope that sustains you? And as they do, you're, they see this confident expectation in the midst of circumstances. The verse, verse tells us to be ready to give an answer to the people when they ask us about our hope. Now, listen, I'm all for, like, straightforward witnessing. I don't, we don't have to wait for someone to ask us about our hope. We're more, more than welcome and, more, and we're commanded to share our hope. All right, So we don't have to wait for them to ask us. But if they're not seeing hope, they're not going to ask us about our hope. So this is a hope that spreads. There's a hope that sustains and there's a hope that spreads. So a hope that sustains is also a hope that spreads. And so as this hope is inside you and it gets you through the trials and, and you know, man, it's been difficult, but I got a reservation and I got a resurrection and I got a revelation coming. And I got a God who loves me. And there's so many other things to hope for. We're not, I have just scratched the surface of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, right? And so as we have this hope in us, they see that and we are ready to give an answer. How do you do that? Let me tell you, it's not about me. It's not because I have a deep-seated, strong desire of a hope that gets me through. It's that my hope is in a faithful Savior who changed my life. See, it's all about Him. And they see your hope, and you're ready to give an answer of why you have hope. This hope that spreads. So can I encourage you today that in difficult times of life, you have a living hope. If you're here today and you're discouraged and down and, and it's been a tough time, can I encourage you that you have a living hope, a reserva- reservation, a resurrection, a revelation. You have a God who's there for you. You have this living hope. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Our hope in Jesus Christ is not only in this life, it's in the life to come. And so hang on to that hope, and and that hope will sustain you. So I encourage you today, if you're going through a difficult time, we talked about the trials, our first lesson. But that verse about the trials in verse 6 is based upon the hope found in verses 3, 4, and 5. Therein, in that hope, greatly rejoice, because the trials are just for a part. Do you have this hope? I share with you the hope today. And remember this. This is a living hope. It's a living hope. It affects how you live. It affects how you act. It affects how you react. It's a living hope. Others should see this hope in you. So can I encourage you not only to have hope that sustains, but as you do, have a hope that spreads. Our, our, our mantra, our vision statement for our church, in case you don't know, and we want everybody to know this, 
seeking Christ, sharing hope. As we see Christ in a deep relationship with him as a church, we share that hope with other people. And so let me encourage you, as you go through this week, have a hope that sustains, but have a hope that you're ready to share. This hope is what got them through as strangers and how it helped them live right in a world gone wrong. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and no one looking around? Maybe you come in today and, and your, your, your hope level's a little low. You're struggling through something that's a difficult time. You're going through that trial. And I encourage you with some hope that, that in this life only is so much more. And once God, once you get to heaven and God pulls back the cover and he reveals why you went through that trial and what he was doing in your life and what he was performing, it'll all make sense to you then, but it probably won't make sense to you until then. That's okay. We got to be okay with that. And so can I share with you hope today? A hope that will sustain you in the difficult times. How many today would say, Pastor Holland, I'll be honest with you, I'm struggling right now. I need, I, need, I need that hope. I need to focus on the hope of Jesus Christ that I have. I've been through a difficult time and, and I just need some hope this morning. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm, I'm going through that time. I just need some hope. All right. God bless you, folks. God bless you. Would you turn your eyes upon Jesus? Look full in his wonderful face. The things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Here's that's The hope's not in you just mustering up more hope. The hope's found in his faithfulness to you. Can I ask you this? When was the last time you shared hope? When was the last time you found somebody that you know didn't have the hope of Jesus Christ and you shared that with them? Is there somebody in your mind right now that God brings to your heart and says, I I need to share hope with them? I need to invite them to church, invite them to small group. I need to share with them Jesus Christ. And God is laying on your heart somebody right now. You say, yeah, that's me right now. There's somebody on my heart right now. I desire to share Jesus Christ, the hope of Christ with them in the near future. Would you raise your hand and say to me, I, I have a hope that I need to share. I have a name. I have a face. God's given to me. All right, that's great. Share hope. And if not, maybe we ought to be looking and asking God, why don't I have someone to share hope with? Bring someone in my path that I can share hope. A hope that sustains will be a hope that spreads. In the end, Jesus Christ will be glorified. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for this Bible study, for First Peter, for what it's meant what it means to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us as strangers in this world, even though sometimes we feel alone, to have a faith and a hope that sustains us through and helps us live right in a world gone wrong. And Lord, I pray that you'd help these today who are hurting, who are going through a difficult time, that you strengthen them in this time. And I pray that for these who have a friend, a loved one that they need to share hope, that you give them an opportunity this week to do that. Thank you so much for Uh, The truth of your word, may it sink deep into our hearts. In your precious name we pray, amen.